Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Haley. Welcome to this week's episode of Fly on the Wall. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're at Fly on the Wall Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'd love to hear from you through our email, flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. This week, we're super excited to have Karen Travers on Fly on the Wall Podcast. She's currently a White House reporter for ABC News, covering all aspects of the Trump administration. She's a Georgetown grad, and since joining ABC as an intern, Karen has extensively covered Washington and national politics, including four presidential campaign seasons and the Obama and Bush administrations. We're so lucky to have Karen on the podcast today and as a fellow for the semester. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today for the interview on uh, Fly on the Wall. First, we're going to ask you about your time at ABC. So you've been there for over 19 years, which is a little bit uncommon in D.C. <laughs> Were you ever uncertain about choosing journalism and staying with ABC? Not since I got to ABC. I will say that when I was in college at Georgetown, I worked up on Capitol Hill for the same member of Congress for two and a half years, thought I would go into politics, talk to him and the staff about a job on the campaign in 2000. But I had this little pull to journalism. I was involved uh, with the student newspaper here, the Hoya, and wanted to see if maybe that side would be interesting too, because what I knew was politics. And I got an internship at ABC at This Week with Sam Donaldson and Koki Roberts, and I was hooked. It was a small staff. We were doing the hour show every Sunday. You can imagine being a second semester senior where you're working... (laughs) Saturdays and Sundays, and Sundays were at 5 a.m., but I was hooked. It was fantastic, and it was during the 2000 primary, so it was a busy time, and then as you see in Washington, there's always another election, so if I ever thought about doing something else, there was always another election coming that I wanted to be a part of, and I've been very lucky to be a part of every election cycle at ABC since I first started. Yeah, so speaking of elections, um, you were embedded with uh, Vice President Mm -hmm. Dick Cheney on Air Force Two during the 2004 campaign. Did you get any special access to the vice president because of this? We did. It was a smaller group that spent months out on the road with uh, the vice president. And that was kind of a nice thing because when you're traveling with the president covering the reelect, there was a press plane that traveled ahead of the president, traveled after him, and President Bush would come in on Air Force One. So you were a bit of a distance away from the main principal candidate. But the vice president, we were on the plane with him on Air Force Two, and there were only max 10 reporters with him, usually about five or six, all of us from the television networks that were there. So you really got to know the staff very well because you're walking out of the plane at the same time as them. And we did get a lot of access to the vice president um, on big policy days, big speeches, you know, that he would sit down and talk with us. So it was a little bit different than covering a president running for re-election or covering the Democratic candidate too because when you first started covering them, John Kerry, you had great access and then once Secret Service jumps in, once you're the nominee, the apparatus gets so big. So it was kind of nice. It felt quaint being on Air Force Two. Were you ever able to get an off-the-record conversation and what was that process like? Uh, We did and I've had them with Um, every president that I've covered too, President Bush, President Obama, and now President Trump, um, you know, we're we're always asking for on the record. We would like to have things be able to be reported. We want to ask questions that we can then say this is the, the president's answer. But the staff would approach us and say, let's do a little something OTR, as we call it. Um, some of that is just to get to know the person that you're traveling with. Sometimes they also just want to bent a little bit and especially on trips I think I've had most of my experiences with the off the record sessions have been on trips um, I think maybe 
they've had a press conference, they've had all these meetings, they just want to talk, but, you know, but we're always pushing for it to be on the record. When you get the president's time, that's so important. You want to be able to get that out there. Definitely. You mentioned before you were on Air Force Two with mm-hmm. 10 other reporters, presumably from all sorts of news outlets. Um, what was it like to work in such close proximity to reporters <laughs> from other news outlets? Yeah, you know, it's it's a collaborative but competitive environment. It's competitive because you want to beat the person next to you for a story. You want to have better access. You want to have an interview because your bosses in New York are pushing for interviews with the candidates. Um, so you, you were always thinking of how you could leverage against your fellow uh, reporters on the plane. But also, you're in this really unique experience, so it became collaborative of, my tape recorder just broke, or I lost batteries for this, and my camera needs a mic because the windscreen fell off. Can you lend me one? And it was such a good environment when it's a small group like that. And it's still like that at the White House, too. We all work in a very close space. We are all looking to get the story before our competitors but there's also a us against them too because we're all trying to do the same thing as journalists yeah so have those relationships changed at all because of the trump administration and the way that news has changed i think one thing you'd see and we don't see it as much because we don't have briefings anymore but you started to see this um especially during the sarah sanders era when she was press secretary she bounced around the room very quickly. So you, question, that's it, no follow-up. Next question, you, nothing, no follow-up. And reporters started, unofficially, there was no uh, you know, memo that went out to everybody. There was no secret meeting where we decided this. But you, we started to sense that it was important to push her on things that she had not answered from another reporter. So to say, well, I'm going to follow up on Steve's question because you didn't fully answer that. Or I'm going to let you answer April's question because she has been trying to get in and you skipped her. So there was a little bit of a banding together because we recognized that we needed to make a, I think it was a more forceful stand when you all do it together. But also there were important questions that were being asked that were getting avoided or you know the bouncing around by a press secretary to pick and choose, you can at least get another moment on the record to say, I'm just going to note you didn't answer that question. For sure. And um, this White House has, there's always a lot of information that, or news that comes out of this White House. And how do you juggle covering topics ranging from policy mm-hmm. staff shakeups as a White House reporter? It's a lot. It's a fire hose of news coming at us on any given day. And, you know, the president creates that environment by tweeting about the Russia investigation and then tweeting about China and then tweeting about something in Europe and then going back to Mueller and then something else domestic and maybe with a couple sprinkles in there of criticisms of the democratic field. So that could all happen in an hour. (laughs) And you have to decide what are the important things that you have to focus on. And you do start making decisions about what rises to the level of this must be filed on. We get feedback from our listeners, our viewers, our readers, um, and we all do this in a collaborative effort. There's no one person that's going to say, this is the only thing that's important today. It's a very big team effort. So if you could go back in time, is there a story that you wish had been covered differently or something that came up that it could have been done differently? That's a tough question. <laughs> um I mean, I think in journalism now, anybody that's been covering politics is certainly looking at how we covered the 2016 campaign and how we can uh, do things differently 
it doesn't have to be a major upheaval. It could be adjusting around the edges to make sure that we are getting the full picture out on the campaign trail. There are certain states that are very important because they're the early states, and we have people that are covering that very deeply right now. And you want to make sure you're getting a good cross-section of people. Um, you know, are you talking to all of the Trump supporters who were Obama supporters, then Trump supporters, and now might be going back and not supporting him again? Who are the people that are still fully locked in on him, um, even as they disagree with some of his policies because of how they've impacted them? Who are the people that are maybe taking another look at him because of something, the economy being strong, things that have impacted them? So I think it's just making sure you are covering as much literal ground as possible and talking to as many diverse opinions um, and making sure that we are getting that full picture that we all want to get every four years. Yeah, so is there anything about this administration that kind of surprised you while you were covering it as a reporter versus just seeing it on the news media? Mm -hmm. I think one thing that they still, two and a half years in, you know, that there are good stories that an administration would want to highlight, that there are things that have gotten done in the last two and a half years that aren't so bitterly partisan, that that's what gets a lot of the headlines, of course. Uh, there was a, a very massive funding bill for a workforce training program that the president signed last year that had uh, immense bipartisan support. His daughter, Ivanka, was a big part of this. They did an event um, in the Midwest to highlight this, and he was going to sign it the following week. It's a great story. This is actually going to impact people. It's going to money goes to community colleges, to local uh, groups that are doing training to get people from lower skilled jobs to higher skilled jobs. Tech training for people that have been more blue collar jobs, and it was one of those stories where I would have loved to have done it for two or three days and you know, yeah. really dive in and show a narrative of this is a person who's going to be impacted by this, but. President signed it uh, not on camera, which is kind of interesting. Wow. And you, you know, didn't go out to Ohio and say, "Here are ten people who are going to now be able to take a class that they weren't going to before because of this." So there's a lot. Of, there are stories out there, and I think that the narrative um, ends up being the president's tweets. He sets that. I mean, people like to joke. He's the president. He's his own communications director. He's his own press secretary, and he does do his own messaging. Uh, but he gets into a bit of a tunnel sometimes, and there's a lot of other stuff that they could be highlighting that could be good headlines for them. They just have to focus on that. All right, and on the topic of his tweets, as someone who's, you know, reporting this might mm -hmm. be seen as a nine to five job, mm -hmm. the yeah. president could be tweeting at, at all hours of the night. So how, Six a.m. As a White House reporter, how mm -hmm. do you deal um, with that sort of, as you called it, a fire hose of information? Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, we were just dealing with it. You just had to read every single thing in real time because you were paranoid that if you stopped for 10 minutes, you were going to miss something. And if you put your phone down, something would happen. I mean, true story, last week, I walked out to get lunch. I walked out of the White House gate at about 11.57 a.m. I picked up the phone and called back to our bureau to talk about we had some poll numbers that came out, wanted to run by a couple questions I had. I hung up the phone at approximately 12.04, 12.05, and we're literally talking about a six-minute window on the phone. And I hung up the phone, and my phone just starts blowing up with text, and there's a voicemail, and my, everything like, right, this is doing right now, too. And I look, and in that six minutes, that's when the president announced he had fired John Bolton. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, that's wild. All I wanted to do was go get a salad. <laughs> and there's like no time that is safe, but you can't just put your phone down. It, it, something always happens. 
it is less crazy than it was in, say, 2017, but the president is tweeting morning, noon, and night, and you stop paying attention at your own peril. You're going to have to catch up at some point, so better to keep your phone glued to your face, I guess. Right, and now things are getting even crazier mm-hmm. with ramping up for a campaign, yeah. so how do you anticipate your role as a White House reporter changing or adjusting to, you know, cover the stories of campaigns? When when presidents are running for re-election, everything is the campaign and everything's the White House. It's very seamless. The staff is similar. Um, you know, obviously there's certain restrictions on what some can and cannot do, but it'll be his core team traveling with him next year. And it'll be the core White House reporter team also covering the re-election campaign. Everything the president, like presidents before him, everything he will do now from a policy standpoint, from a messaging standpoint, is to get re-elected. You know, there's no campaign in White House anymore. It's all the same goal for the administration. So we will all be along for the ride. Um, we are told that he's going to start ramping up the travel, probably a rally every week uh, going forward. I, I think, you know, he's a homebody. He does like to come home at night, so he'll do rallies, but come back to the White House. So it's nice to have White House and a Washington home base for all of us instead of weeks on end in Iowa, New Hampshire, or South Carolina right now. Definitely. Um, Karen, thank you so much. Before you go, mm-hmm. there's one thing we like to do here at Find the Wall, and that's called the lightning round. Okay. <laughs> the trick questions. Yes. So um, our first question is, mm-hmm. you've been to 49 states. Yes. Which is your favorite? Oh, I mean, I guess I'd have to say my home state of Pennsylvania with New Jersey, a close tie, because I got married there, and I go to the beach there as much as I can in the summers. Which is the one state you've ever <laughs> been to? Vermont. Really? Vermont. Wow. Right. And given how much time I've spent in New Hampshire, friends are like, just go over the border. Like, it's right there. But I kind of like the idea of always having one that I haven't been to. And it's quirky <laughs> that it's Vermont, because most people would say Hawaii and Alaska. And I'm like, no, no, I've been to both of those. So I kind of want to save Vermont <laughs> for when it's not work-related and just maybe go and actually enjoy it then. I respect that. And then I guess <laughs> our other question is, um, as an avid fan of Georgetown basketball, yes. which you are, um, who's your favorite basketball player of all time? Ooh. Good question. I mean, I'm right now, like, immediately popping into my head. My kids love Mac McClung so much because we watch so many of the videos. My children are six and three-year-old twins, and they come with us to all the basketball games, and they love him, and they play in our house. Uh, Two of them will take Jesse Govan, and two will take Mac McClung, (laughs) so that's, like, kind of the thing. Um, I love Jeff Green because the Final Four team was such a special team. It was so much fun. I actually... I went down to the Final Four in Atlanta um, when we made it in 07, and I came quite literally straight from Bahrain, where I had been wow. I had been in Iraq for two weeks, then Bahrain, and watched us win to go to the Final Four uh, at a base outside Baghdad, a U.S. military base. It was like four in the morning, and I was like, I'm going. I don't care how I have to get there, so I flew from Bahrain to Washington and drove to Atlanta and made it for the game. That's Karen? a super fan. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what time zone I was on. I was exhausted, but we lost. Yes. It was sad. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're really excited to have you as a fellow this semester. Thank you. Um, so you'll be here every Monday doing your discussion group. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll be looking at a topic that is very familiar to me, what we just talked about, um, White House reporting in the Trump era and how some of the norms that he's upended, what does this mean for reporters, what does this mean for news consumers and what they see and read, and where things might go whenever he's not the president anymore. Will we swing back to what we've seen before, or has he shaken up Washington so much that there's no turning back? 
Awesome. Well, that's on Mondays from 4 to 5.30 in the GU Politics office, and we'll see you there. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I'm so excited to have Karen on campus this whole semester. She'll be doing her discussion group on White House reporting from 4 to 5.30 every Monday, and she has office hours at GU Politics as well. And before you go, don't forget to follow Fly on the Wall Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's at Fly on the Wall Pod. And if you have any questions whatsoever, email us at flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. See you next week.